welcome to another episode of worldly church girl it's your girl your host lillian harshaw on today's show i have an emmy award winner broadcaster turned podcaster and a man who's interviewed everyone up to the one and only president barack obama even with that being said what he's doing now surpasses all those things it gives me great privilege to introduce to you mr gary latvier how did you uh, know that you wanted to get into broadcasting well, the funny thing, Lillian, is I, I was a very shy young boy. I'm from a family of 12 kids, and um, I was the youngest boy, so I was the uh, sixth of seven boys. And I was very quiet, very shy, just always observed people all the time. And um, and I sort of got into I got into a Christian service project in high school, and a, and a TV channel came out and wanted to interview me about the experience, and, and I said, okay. And, and I saw the way they put together that story and how it impacted people's lives. And I said, wow, I think I kind of want to do that someday. So that's sort of how it all started. Okay. I'm going to go to the youngest of 12, huh? Uh, well, I'm the 10th the of 12, but the youngest boy. Yeah. I can relate because I'm the youngest of nine. Oh, okay. Wow. Big fan. Yes. Yeah. Uh, seven boys, two girls. My sister's the oldest. All the boys are in the middle, and then me. Oh, that's cool. Big families yeah. have have their share of great moments, and of course, a lot of chaos, as you well know. Oh, yeah. What would you say, or who would you say was your biggest influence in the podcasting industry? Well, you know, podcasting, I just started my own podcast um uh, and, and at Thanksgiving of this year. So I just got started because after being on TV for, for 20 years, and doing various platforms, and, and I started out doing radio, actually, too. And so podcast, I'm like, this is kind of cool, because this is something you can do. You can talk to interesting people, and, and as we're doing, you don't always have to be in person, and you can take a, the amount of time that you need. You know, like on TV, most news stories are about a minute and a half and two minutes. Um, some of my podcasts run 20 to 30 minutes, and some of my YouTube stories run almost uh, – you know, 30 minutes long. It's kind of cool thing about this platform. You can reach different people that may have similar interests all around the world. And, um, and your platform isn't, isn't necessarily constrained by, by those time constraints and location too. So it's pretty cool. Now I'm going to reword the question. What's your biggest influence in the um, broadcasting world? Well, Tom Brokaw, I always looked up to Tom Brokaw. I always thought that he carried himself in a way that sort of gave you a calmness, right? So no matter if he's delivering the worst news in the world, it's coming from someone that you can count on. And, and he gave you a little bit of reassurance. So then when I became a broadcaster, I wanted to be the same. I wanted to be that that voice, that face, that if things are going terrible in your world, if a, um, a plane has gone down or 9-11 or the Oklahoma City bombing, which was my first major story of my hometown, actually, uh, I wanted to be that person that people could trust and turn to and that would hopefully give them a little perspective and a little calm. Cool thing, Lillian, on that is years later, uh, Tom Brokaw wrote the forward to um, my first uh, children's book. And, um, and that was the first time he had ever done that. He had never written a forward for someone's book before. But since mine was uh, was going, all proceeds were going to uh, veterans to send them on an honor flight to Washington, D.C., 
And uh, one of his best friends in college was a man that, that I knew and from our area that sort of put us in connection. So that was a pretty cool moment for me, to be sure. I bet. Now, how did you even get in contact with him? Funny, I was, I was uh, presenting at a, a Kiwanis meeting up in Burlington, Iowa. And um, a man came up to me at the end and, and said, wow, Gary, I've been a fan of yours for years. I enjoy your work. And by the way, I went to college with Tom Brokaw, and we're still friends. And, and you have that NBC connection. And he put me in touch with him. And uh, the rest was history, if you will. So I submitted the, uh, the book to him. And I said, if you don't mind offering just a few words to help us with this. And, and he said, sure, and sent it on. And that uh, was pretty exciting. I couldn't even imagine. Cool thing about that is, you know, I'm, I've, I've interviewed so many people, including President Obama, which we'll per, perhaps talk about here in a minute. But uh, I've never been in, uh, really nervous, you know, because I live in Iowa where the caucuses are. And so all the politicians come through and I've interviewed so many. But interviewing Tom Brokaw, when I got to talk to him in person for the first time, I felt my throat tighten up. And I'm like, oh, my goodness. <laughs> you know, you meet your mentor sometimes and, and it changes everything. The dynamics change considerably. Was it what you thought it would be? You know what they say sometimes, if you don't ever meet your heroes, but um, because they are real people too, as we all know in life, right? We we sometimes mm-hmm. put people on pedestals and we have to remember that we all have our strengths and our weaknesses, our faults and, and the things that make us really talented and the things that, that we can use to help touch others' lives. So, you know, at the end of the day, people are people. We have to, we have to put that in perspective. That's for sure. Now, you won so many awards. Now, which award is like one of your proudest moments? Well, that would have been, uh, it would have been about three years ago now uh, when I, I received my uh, second Emmy. Uh, my wife convinced me to go because I'm not much for getting dressed up and going to those big events where uh, thousands of people sitting around tables and, it's, you know, uh, but, but she said, you should go uh, because of this particular story and the coolest moment for me, Lillian, was, and by the way, my my, gra- my grandmother's name was Lillian, so that, I love that name. So they called my name for this award, and it was really cool. And I got to go up, and I got to thank the, the woman who I did the profile story on. I got to thank my wife for the first time. But most important to me was my mother's 85 years old, and she had never seen me uh, win an award before. And she was watching the live stream of this um, at, at, with my sister in Phoenix, Arizona. And she was drinking a glass of wine and watching on her laptop. And I got up to <laughs> got to hold up that Emmy nice and high and say, Mom, this is for you. I love you. And that was that was cool. That's the highlight of my career. That'll be hard oh, to beat. I bet she was a proud mommy that day. Yeah, she she was. <laughs> she was. And I, I was very proud, too, to be able to stand up there, the shy little kid, and be able to thank, thank my mom. So that was awesome. And congratulations. I mean, that's an achievement. Oh, thank you. Those are gifts that I believe God gave me. And then uh, he also gives me the, the, the power, if you will, to to be able to pursue things, even though I am still very shy. Um, I get very passionate about the stories that I tell and the people that I meet. And, and somehow I get the strength. I mean, even when I met with President Obama at the White House, just before I went into the Oval Office and went then to meet with him, um, I was so incredibly nervous. I just stopped and said, hey, God, you put me here. You got to figure this out. You got to help me get through <laughs> this now. And sure enough, the, the minute I shook uh, President Obama's hand, all my nerves went away and something came through me. Just I did my job. I had memorized all my questions and had a great conversation with him that was all recorded, you know, live to tape. And 
And I walked out of there and, uh, and I said, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> thank you for not letting me fall on my face back there. Ain't that is like, uh, you got to meet me. Hello, don't you leave me in this spot by myself. <laughs> yeah, right. You got me here. Huh? You better sit right there with me. That's for sure. I'm, I'm like, God, I know you have a sense of humor, but right now, don't be funny. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, the, the funny part of that was um, I had spent hours and hours preparing for this interview. And, and so I had asked viewers to write in, to mail, to call on all their questions. And I knew I would only have about five minutes with the president. So I kind of worked on my compound questions and I only had about three or four because I knew that was all I'd have time for. And, and I wrote them nice big letters so I wouldn't have to wear my glasses. And, Mm -hmm. but my blood pressure, I think, and nerves and the fact that I only got about two or three hours of sleep, I looked down at my notes just before I went in and I could not see anything. It was all blurred. Yeah. And again, when I walked in there and shook his hand, I didn't need my notes. Uh, I had memorized everything and God helped me through it and just kind of nailed it. So that was really cool. Now, how was he? He was interesting. I mean. I mean, a man with a lot of weight on his shoulders, right? Um, mm-hmm. I was trying to get through to him personally, which is hard to do because, you know, as you know, that in the media world nowadays, everyone's trying to get that gotcha moment. They're trying to catch you making a mistake that'll make headlines. And so very much on guard and very much on message. So my job was to try to get him off message a little bit so that we could get to know him a little bit as a man and as a person and to talk about some of the issues very important to uh, the folks where I live. And uh, so that was hard, I must admit. Um, I saw a little bit of a sadness in his eyes because he couldn't just have a normal conversation because, you know, there's a lot of stress and a lot on the line every single time. And if you have a bad day as president of the United States, that could lead to some serious stuff. So, um, but, but it was a great experience, I have to admit. And when I walked out of the room, the cameras were turned off and I turned back to him and I said, hey, President Obama, thanks again, man. That was really cool. And he says, hey, you're welcome, Gare. Say hello to the quads for me. And so that was a really cool moment. That was nice. So he relaxed once the cameras was off. He was, yeah. His yep. guard was down a little bit. Both of us, I think. Yeah. I was going, phew, this is over. Yeah. <laughs> I'll bet. Okay, so what made you decide to walk away from all of that to do your own production company? I'd done 30 years of news, and the hardest part for me was walking away from the viewers, the people that that listened and people I watched every night that counted on me. But at the end of the day, there was so much negativity, and and that was gets overwhelming after a while because the part of the news that you hear or you see is only a fraction of what we have to go through to put it on the air. So we hear so many bad details of crimes and whatnot that, that, that we don't share, that we try to filter out, if you will. We're gatekeepers to some extent. But to understand a story, we have to take in so much. And I worked with every reporter on the stories and I worked with the producers. And just after a while, I got to be, you know what, this is so much negativity and and I would push and fight for positive news stories. And every once in a while, I'd get, get to do those on TV. I wanted to just do more happy stuff, the stuff that makes people smile or inspires or lifts them up. So I said, the only way I'm going to do that is, is to walk away. And they were quite surprised when I walked away. But when I told them that, you know, they couldn't convince me. They said, well, we're, we're going to talk you to stay in. I said, well, you'll have to convince two people, my wife and God. And good luck with either of those because they have made up their decision. 
You know, it's funny because I've had so many conversations with people like I hated watching the news because it's like they, there's there is no good news. And except maybe the last 30 seconds, they might show maybe a puppy got rescued or something like that. So right. to find out that there's something out there finally like you long overdue. I hope so. And it's and it's a big time leap of faith, I have to tell you, because. I mean, I still need to work. I still, uh, I still have several years left before I can retire. But to me, I want to reach people. I want to inspire people. I want the stories that just ignite something in someone to make them go out and be a better person, do something, find a talent or a gift they have and give it back. Um, my biggest question now is, will I be able to grow these platforms to do that? Uh, right now, I'm doing it on a small scale, and, and I hope to be able to keep sharing the stories if you will, financially uh, doing this all myself. As you know, most podcasters and most YouTubers uh, don't make uh, money at what they do. My production company is helping me with that again, so I'm self-financing, if you will. But I'm still going out and finding stories, and people are still coming to me with their stories, and I just can't stop going out and getting them. Uh, and, and I just hope that this is a medium that I can really build on and, and have a loyal following and just keep on going and reach more people like you're doing and in uh, spreading words of hope and positivity, life, love and happiness. You know, and don't, we need more of that in this world, to be sure. And what did your family think? I know what your wife said, but what did the rest of your family think when you said, I'm done with this? I'm going to do this. I'm going to do what God is leading me to do. What did they say? I think for the most part, except for my wife and my two sons, who are now both, uh, you know, one just finished college, the other just got into college. And um, I think they understood, they understand. Everybody else, a little bit of state of shock because, I mean, I was at a at the peak of my career. And, uh, you know, this whole celebrity thing, we have a world where um, we just really put celebrities up on a pedestal and people couldn't believe that I would walk away from that. Fact is, I never, I never enjoy the um, the celebrity part of it, except that it can help me get a message out. It, it isn't about someone saying, hey, could I have your autograph? I don't care about that. I don't actually even really like that. What I like about people saying, hey, I saw the story that you did on that young lady that's reaching for her dreams of being a race car driver. And I love that. And that made me decide I'm going to go out and do something too. That's what it's about for me. So walking away was was not a was not a big shock to the people closest to me. But it was to a, a lot of the, the viewers and the and, and people that aren't such close friends of mine that will be like, wow, you just you just walked away from everything. Uh, they're, they're, they were quite surprised and still are. Are there any stories right now that resonate with you? Uh, so many and, and, and so many that I'm working on right now. Mm -hmm. I mean, I have one that, that I met and, I'm you know, I've never been to, I don't know about you, but I've, I've never been much of a race car fan there's something out in this part of the country called dirt track racing. It's just sort of racing over, around an oval uh, on, on dirt and race cars. And and I'd never even been to one before this year. But I found a sense of community in one of them. Uh, there was a, a man that was uh, – he had been out of driving for about 20 years. And um, he, they were trying to raise some sponsors to help him with something for his car. So I, I asked more questions. And it turns out that after 20 years, he almost died in an accident 20 years ago. Um, hmm. So he had to quit racing, but he was a champion racer and he run, won like 50 major events. And um, he has a young son now and he, and he find out, found out that he has prostate cancer and it's terminal. And he wanted this little boy to see him race. So he got back in the car 20 years later. 
and the community sort of came together and everybody made donations and all the teams of his competitors came together to help him build the perfect car so that he could race again. And on Father's Day, he got back in that car and, and he raced for the first time in 20 years. And that was the story of, you know, a community coming together to help a, a simple, simple dream come true. In a perfect world, he would have won the race that night, but but he blew the engine. But he said, I don't care. I, I got to I got to drive, and my son got to see me back in the in the car seat. So that was uh, back in the driver's seat. So that was everything to him. Those little stories, you know, little quiet stories of everyday people that are going out and and living their dream, going after something. And yes, sometimes they fail, and but sometimes in the failure we learn so much more about ourselves and our community. And it's just so cool to be part of that in every different story I come across. I don't even see that story as a failure. I mean, as far as him not winning, he won. He definitely right. won. Yep. No doubt. If you could interview anyone dead or alive, who would it be and Ooh. why? Ooh, I should have prepped for this question. That's for sure. <laughs> wow. If I could interview anyone dead or alive, what would it be? And how would I do the The, the question would be probably <laughs> how would I handle it? That's for sure. Um, oh, wow. That's, that's a tough one. I think, I think probably Walter Cronkite, I would really want to ask him about what it felt delivering the news. I mean, you, if you remember when he announced the, the John F. Kennedy uh, assassination, uh, and he wiped away a tear. I would dig down a little bit deeper. I would go back to 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 you know talk to him about the responsibility and accountability of his reporting and what it felt to him. Because I have to tell you, when I when I reported on the Oklahoma City bombing, which my family was from Oklahoma City, and and my sister was downtown at the time, and we had not heard from her, so I didn't even know if she had survived. And all the reporters working with me on that story had family there. And I just knew that I had to put on my reporter's hat. I was on the air for several hours. And then when that was over, I mean, we were all doing our job. And I even interviewed a, a doctor live on TV that had just used a small pocket knife to cut off a woman's arm to pull her from mm. the rubble to save her life. So all these amazing stories were coming at us so fast. And by the time we finally signed off, Nobody said a word. We just all walked together and met in the middle of the newsroom and all started hugging and crying because we realized we hadn't stopped to think about. This is our family. This is our community. These are people we know, uh, but we came together to do a job, and that was our job. So I would ask Walter Cronkite questions like that about you know, the responsibility on him. He was the man. He was the voice that so many turned to in times of distress and what 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 that did to him personally, too. I'm asking you, I mean, how did you keep your composure? You know, when tragedy strikes, you just have to say to yourself, I have a job to do. These people are counting on me. My emotions don't count right now. I have to be the one to ask those tough questions. I have to be the one to offer information and perspective. And no matter what's going on, I have to have a calmness to me and, and I have to just sit down and, and, and do my job through 9-11, through, uh, through the Oklahoma City bombing, through so many devastating news programs that I've had to broadcast. I just tell myself, you have work to do. Go do your job. That has to do nothing but with the strength of God. I don't think in this flesh you will be able to do that. No, I agree with you. And that's one of the things, those are when I turn. And, and before every one of those broadcasts, 
Yeah, I do say a prayer, and I say, please give me the strength uh, to to get through this, to do what I need to do for these people, because I know I know what it's like when you you turn on that TV and you need to know something that's going to impact your life, and you trust the people that are going to d- deliver it for you. And I had to be that person for for so many years. All right, last question. You ready? I'm ready. If you could have any theme song be your song when you walked into a room, what would it be and why? Well, I'm going to give a two if I can. Don't worry, be happy. It was always was always kind of cool. <laughs> and then there's a country song that I relied on for the past six months just before walking away from my job. And it's a country song, and I forget the name of it, but it, it basically goes, you know, everything's going to be all right. Everything's going to be all right. Just trust, trust in yourself, trust in your God. And you know what? We just got to remember in life, if we're good people and we live our lives the best way we can, everything's going to be all right. Love that. I wish I knew what it, who it was and who sung it. Yeah, <laughs> I'll send it to you. I'll find it and I'll send you the clip. <laughs> Sounds good. Okay. Where can people find you? So the heart of the story with Gary Mitibia is the name of my YouTube and my podcast. And so I'm available pretty much on all the platforms now. As of last week, I'm on iHeart and I'm all Spotify and I'm pretty much everywhere. And then on my website, which is mitiviamedia.com, that's M-E-T-I-V-I-E-R. So mitiviamedia.com. And people can see some of my works there and they'll see a, a link to the podcast and a link to the YouTube as well. And I'm on Facebook, too. And uh, I try to stay pretty active on social media to help uh, spread the word of what I'm doing. I'm trying to build Lillian. As you know, you sort of have to build a a little community. And and I'm in the process of of building that community where we share ideas and we share comments and just let people know that people do want care, are inspired by good stories, and that we want more of them. And um, and the only way to do that is for people to listen and to watch them and to, to share stories that they hear that inspire them. Well, I encourage everyone to follow you and keep this going for you. And because we need more good and positive news out there and just just positivity period in this world. It's enough mess, if you will, going on right now. No doubt. You know, that it's so easy. And, and our society, too, has a has a tendency to lean toward the negative, right? The salacious kind of stories. But people need it, whether they want to admit it or not. They may turn to a story on the Kardashians more so than they would about that small, you know, guy uh, running the race car. They may turn to that. But inside their heart and their soul, they need the inspirational stories. We may want some of the other stuff, but you need positivity in your life. You need to make a personal connection with people and with yourself to make this world a better place. And we can all do it, uh, one story and one person at a time. And thank you for what you're doing to spread the word of of positive things and for for spending time to talk to to an up-and-comer like me who's just trying trying to make a mark like you are. No, thank you. Thanks for reaching out. You enjoy your evening. Okay, you too. Thanks, Lillian. Thank you. Bye-bye. Thank you, Gary, for being on my show. I greatly appreciate it. I'm so excited for you and on this new venture that you're going into. It takes a lot of strength to do what you're doing, to give up what you thought you had planned to what God had planned. Thank you so much for all that you do. And if you would like to be on Worldly Church Girl, click the link below, shoot me an email, 
and let's see what we could do with that thing. And I don't understand why you haven't subscribed yet. These shows are only getting better and better. Hit that subscribe button. And thanks again for joining your one and only Worldly Church Girl. 